You're listening to Thursday Mornings with Alex and Don. GMAD. Don is a pastor with 40 years experience. And Alex is just as curious as you are. We look at the most important and interesting questions about the Bible and Christian faith. So let's talk about it. Pastor Don. Good morning, Alex. You look excited. Oh, I am excited. I'm home. Where's home? Well, it's Hillcrest. Hillcrest. I was here for a year, worked among all these kids. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to be here. How about you guys? Oh, yeah. Almost excited as I am. Yeah. Well, it's either excitement or maybe you're a little nervous because some of these questions were heavy. They're thoughtful. Like, I'm so impressed by some of the thought that went into this. They're very deep and rich questions. Cool. Um, How I selected them is basically by kind of like a popular thing. So if if I got more than one question of the same thing that was in, but a lot of them are going to be on future episodes too. So tune in for those. If I'll probably try to send uh, some to make sure, or send a link so that he can send those out too. If you got your questions in there. But so we're not gonna get them all done today. No, oh. there's like 50 of them. So um, yeah, 50 questions. God, that's right. Goodness, you guys did yep. good. And uh, our. To get a question on the show, it's it's tmadask, T-M-A-D-A-S-K at, A-S-K at gmail.com if you want to send them in. Because then I'd have your email, and I could send you an email once that once we get that question on the show, too. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Keep the conversation going. That's right. Yeah, I like that. So I'll call up the first question, Haley C. Is personal faith required for salvation? Yes. Thank you. Why? <laughs> Why? Well, in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says you must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior mm-hmm. and believe in the resurrection from the dead. So it has to be personal. It's got to be your own. It can't be somebody else's. And just because mommy went to church doesn't about it. So it's a personal faith. It's your own. It's, you own it. Yeah. Does that make it a guarantee then? If we take... Romans 10, 9 and 10, yes, you must, okay. must do those two things to be saved. Okay. Okay. Oh, uh, Sarah F. for the next one. This ties in with the first one, so that's I better, the best part. I better get my Bible open then. Is it possible for someone to lose and or give up his or her salvation? Oh, my gracious. Well, then we have to go to Hebrews 6. Um, and that can be interpreted two ways. It is possible, but why would you? It's sort of like if you bought a Mercedes, why would you give it up? Is that why you still have your Mercedes? That's why I still have my Mercedes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but part of it is, is, is just that. I mean, a walk with the Lord and all the blessings that come with it, why would you give that up? Now, is it a, a possible to affront God in such a way that you would lose your salvation? Well, we don't know that dividing line. And, and it's only alluded to in Scripture. But I think this, the Scripture says God wants a personal relationship with you. He's already invested in you from the time of creation to create you like you are. And so he wants to continue that. And I think God goes out of his way to make that happen. So would you know when you have earned salvation? Would you know? As an Anabaptist, I live under the assurance of salvation. Okay. That I, as long as I live in that relationship, I'm assured of salvation. 
so you can lose it. So I, the eternal security thing isn't an Anabaptist thing. That's more of a Baptist thing. Okay. And, and, uh, but I think you'd have to affront God in really big ways to yeah. lose that peace. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I sort of go back to the prodigal son and, and Jesus. The prodigal son gave up everything, you know, flirted it all away, and, and still the father embraced him mm-hmm. when he returned. That's the image I see God having, wanting us back in relationship with him. That embrace, even after all we've done, he, if we return to him, he embraces us. Okay. That's the image I like. Okay, so is the short answer, yes, you can? Yes, you can lose it? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Right. Do you want to? Well, no. no. Of course not. Of course not. And, and so living in that relationship, it, it's, I think when we look at the law, we see dividing lines. We look at the Old Testament, okay, you did this, oh, wait. All of a sudden, God wrote that guy off. But even Samson, after all that Samson did, when he embraces his faith in God again and says, hey, Lord, just give me the strength one more time, God does. And I see that as an almighty, creative God who wants to live into us in eternal relationships, not just momentary ones. I like that. Um, the next question comes from Mason SW. Okay. And I'll give a special recognition, another recognition to Sarah after you had like kind of the same question here too. So, okay. So my question is what is free will? How do we know if we have it or not? And where does our will, um, fit or play in with God's sovereign will? Well, that is a good question. Yep. Yeah. I just got posed that one last night by somebody else. God has an eternal design and we're part of it. And his will is he wants to work with his creation and live into his creation and allow his creation to live out everything that he's put in. So there's a lot of DNA that made you who you are. Grandpas, grandmas, moms and dads, all that stuff came together to make you uniquely you. That's part of God's sovereignty. And he lays that out for each each of us. The second piece of that is then he also gives us free will so that we can choose to live for him or not. I mean, what would a relationship be if, with your girlfriend if she had no choice but to be your girlfriend? I mean, really? Now, maybe, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, let's not go there too far, take that analogy too far. But, but God wants to live into a loving relationship with you to teach you how to love because in doing that, you'll not only love him back, but, but you'll be loving in relationship with each other. And that transforms community. We have the choice not to live that relationship out. And he gives us that freedom to live in that uh, and to choose right or wrong. But all of those are reflections of how we feel about God. Do we feel like he's the antagonist? Really, Satan's the antagonist. God wants to live into us and have us be the fullest of his creation we can possibly be. What was the last part of that question? Did I get that? What's that? Um, okay. Most part, because this is just touches on Calvinism, right? I assume you guys have done a little bit of work into that. And... I always thought Calvinism was kind of interesting because there's, pe- 
it's one of those things where it's not fully understand because the whole part of like free will and freedom is sometimes difficult to grasp because the way you're describing is that we've got a, okay, let's see. Um, so like you said, the girlfriend analogy, like are you guys here? Did you make a choice to come here and listen to us? Yeah, yeah. We, no one brought you in with on, in shackles and chains. I don't know. Marcus might have brought his class in that way. Didn't he? Did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cattle prod. Well, see, that would be the uh, predeterminism. Or, um, predestination. Predestination, yeah. thank you, um, portion of it. But then there's like two different kinds of free will. So it's not really like a Calvinism versus free will. Um, because you guys did choose to come here, but you really didn't have a, a different choice. Like, you know, there wasn't, you know, you could do this or something else. You're going to come here, and you're going to listen to us, but you were brought, you walked here on your own. Now, if we would have had this, you know, like 8 o'clock tonight, and you had the choice of, you know, staying at home and pouring over the complexities of, of Leviticus, or coming and listening to Don tell dad jokes and, and have his right. insights. Complexities of Le Leviticus would probably drive them here. Yeah, though, see, know. there you go. So there's two different kinds of free will. I think Calvinism kind of sits in that second one where it's, we have the choice to do it, but there's not really another option for us because God has kind of set things in place. True. So there's a difference. Is there, is there a way that we can look to the Bible to see the differences between those two types of freedom and free will? Uh, Did that make any sense? Let, let's, let, let's add another we need the antagonist. Okay. And so if you bring Satan into the picture, like mm -hmm. you do in Genesis chapter 3, then you have God putting this wonderful garden together, and it's done for Adam and Eve. Yeah. It's a beautiful place. He just asks them to keep it up. And then he, God adds the antagonist, which would be Satan, and he's always trying to misinform us mm -hmm. so that we have to choose between what we hear from God and what we hear as misinformation from Satan. And so those dynamics are also part of our free choice to either choose what God's told us or what Satan likes to misinform us in. Sure. Okay. So where do you think the Bible in, in your... Can you wrap that up in a neater ball? Because like, I think this is more of like an opinion, don't you think? As far as free will and... Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, it's, well, I think some people are trying to figure out, you know, is Calvinism right or wrong? And I'm putting it on a sliding scale. Okay, that's fair. Because there's certain truths in it, but I also want to pull away from it enough to say, you know, we have, we have more freedom mm -hmm. than that formula gives us. Right. Okay. Okay, that's fair. I like that. Uh, let's see, the next question comes from Ruth. Sorry, uh, this is a little off topic, but what's your favorite vintage car? Oh, my favorite vintage car? Yeah. Oh, well, the Ford Model T. That's a good one. Yes, and I drive one every time I'm cranky. Mm -hmm. I actually have one, and I take it out. And what's your favorite vintage what's your car? Favorite? I don't know about that one. Okay. There's too many good ones. Like, okay. You can think of like the cool brands, and then you can think of like the ones that are really weird. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mercedes but, 330 SL. <laughs> no, I, I'm not judging your opinion. Don't worry. Okay. Okay. Cool. <laughs> it would have been funny if you had picked something that was like 10 I years old. I could afford though. a Model <laughs> T, and that's why it ended up in my yard. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
That's very very fitting for Don, just you know, nice and square and simple. Black and white. Oh, that's right. and yes. Not too much rust on it, but classic. I hope I took very care of all of it when that's we right. built it. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Uh, next question, Mason B. My he's getting tall. I would choose the sixty nine Chevelle. Sixty nine Chevelle. I don't have one though. No. Yeah. Um so what do you think about when Jesus said to turn the other cheek and was the uh, smack intended to uh, be interpreted as like an assault or more like dishonor and indignity in that time? And then also uh, when Jesus went to the temple and he flipped the tables, does that condone violence in certain situations like to defend your faith or not? Like should we maintain peace at all times? Can, can I back into that from the end? Well, when we talk about him taking care of the tab tables, he was talking to God's people at that point. It was inside the temple, and his wrath, just like the woes of Matthew 23, were tho for those who should have known better. And so, in other words, teach, uh, Jesus was taking his role as teacher very, very uh, seriously by saying, you know, you guys should really know better than to have these tables set up in the temple. And so he was like a, a teacher that said, guys, how come you don't get this? And so I put that, the turning of the, t the uh, tables over and Matthew 23 in the same mode. Whereas when we go to Matthew 5, which is turning the other cheek, uh, verses 39 to 43. Can I add something to the turning of tables too? Sure. Or the uh, reed or the cord he was using, they were actually like the same thing. It was made for like... Um, like basket weaving and stuff. So you're talking about like long, flimsy pieces of, or they actually use it for paper too. So, and then you can see it, it, at the last part of that verse, they weren't, when they came back, they weren't saying, um, you know, why did, why did you beat us? No, they were like, what, what gives you this authority? What is up with this authority that we felt? Mm -hmm. It wasn't violent. You know what I mean? In the same way that right. they, they, all of a sudden this authority is here and judging us. Yeah, explain to us why we felt that authority. Yeah. So, okay, sorry. And, and that, that backs in from that angle. Yeah. Whereas when you take it to Matthew tw uh, 5, uh, 39 to 43, in that period where you're talking about turning the other cheek or going the second mile, that's also in that passage. It's how we then, as God's people, because Matthew five, six, and seven is a Sermon on the Mount. It's being addressed to those who would be believers or are believers at that time. And it's how do we then show this relationship with God to people who have no idea? And how do we live in contrast to a world that doesn't know God? And so he says, well, so somebody whoops you upside the head? Well, you don't whoop them upside the head. You turn the other cheek. Let them whoop up the other side. Uh, if they take your cloak, you give them your coat as well. If they uh, ask you to go one mile, you go two. It becomes a mode of operation for those who are called by God to be his people and to live in contrast with the world. And that's why I separate the one from the other because the one is internal to those who should have known better. And Matthew 5 then is how we show others that we follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like a little bit of like a context on that too. He's, he's, he's talking about the law, right? So he even, you know, he references uh, 
Oh, I had it on here. Uh, Leviticus. You're talking about Matthew 5? Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, because that was the, the Sermon on the Mount. So the, pe- the crowd who he is addressing is important to know. Um, yeah, studying. so Leviticus 24. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where that eye for an eye comes from. And it's important not to take, you know, I've, I've heard a lot, you know, never read a Bible verse. Get the whole context of it. Because he, what he's addressing, he's getting questions based on the law. Because that's, that's what it all, it was all very litigious. And what I thought, I did some research on this, and it's interesting, the actual, do you have it in front of you? Or you at, I have Matthew here, Okay. Matthew 5. So read, read just, yeah, that, that verse there. You've heard it said that eye, eye for tooth for tooth, that one? Mm-hmm. But I tell you, do not resist the evil person who strikes you on the right cheek. Turn to him also the other. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, you go with him too. Give to the one who asks you and do not take away, turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Mm-hmm. you. You went above and beyond there. I appreciate that. Sorry. I just wanted to draw attention that he said the right hand. Mm. Okay. So he, he makes important distinction on that right hand. And you ever like wonder why we all still shake hands with our right hand? It comes from back then because that left hand was dirty. You can probably figure out why. That was before toilet paper. And so the smack with the right hand on your right cheek, so Don's right cheek, I would have to go backhand, okay? And there's a difference between, there's actually fines if you are to smack the wrong one. And one of them is, here we go, so uh, in the Bhava Kama Mishnah, Mm -hmm. sure I butchered that, a slap incurred a fine of 200 coins, but a backhanded slap required a payment of 400 because the backhanded slap was meant for someone who was subservient, right? So it's okay if it was someone who was out of place, but you would not do that to someone who was an equal. And that's a distinction that's important because if someone slaps you on backhands on the right and then you turn the other cheek, well, now they can't backhand you anymore. They've got to use the palm of their hand, which to me says it's like, you know, if you're going to do that now, now slap here. Yeah, slapping is If you equal. slap, and if they slap there, they're admitting that like, you're they're equal. So, and there's a lot of things that Jesus does this way that are just a little, they challenge that authority, and which is why it drove him to the cross at that time. It's because they didn't want, it, it's, it's, it's upending that power play with that backhanded slap a little bit. So it's really trying to pick apart the law that they're talking about to try to okay. regain that or cool. to make that power. Um, and as, as far as like smacks go, um, John 18, when he's in front of uh, the high priest, the guard slaps him and he does not turn the other cheek. Right? Do you remember what he does? No, I no, you oh, got me. Okay, well, he, he says, you know, if you said anything wrong, prove it. But if I'm speaking the truth, why are you beating me? Because mm-hmm. he's standing there in front of the law authority at that time, and they're asking him, you know, what, what, what's going on here? What are you doing? What are you telling? Or what are you preaching? And he says, you know, I'm not doing it in secret. Oh. I'm not, you know, trying to hide this from you. I'm doing it on the streets in front of everybody. Go ask the people I'm teaching. And then the guard hit him for that, saying, you know, you don't talk to him that way. 
And he said, is anything I'm saying wrong? He's trying to point out that this litigious way of their religion mm-hmm. is no more. That's why he is there, right? Okay. But, you know, like we've done every episode, we're talking about, you know, the, the violence of it, right? The violence the, of how he was treated before the crucifixion, yes. Well, yeah, and then yeah. what does that say, you know? We've talked about war many times. Mm-hmm. Are those good examples of... See, I would say that those are more, you know, just kind of touching on the litigious nature of the time as opposed to saying no war, right? Or no violence, I guess I would say. Did I mess that Jesus, up enough? Yeah, I, I just... Jesus was so careful okay. about how he worked with people yeah. and very individual on that mm-hmm. basis because he approached the woman in uh, John chapter 8 differently than he did others. Yeah. And, and so forgiving her sin even before she even repented, right. go and sin no more. And then you've got other situations where, like Matthew 23 is a gaping example mm. where he was, woe to you Pharisees and teachers yeah. of the law. Uh-huh. And I, yeah. He definitely seemed to treat the ones higher up with a lot more disdain, direct, yes, yeah, yeah aggression towards what they were trying to spread because they, they didn't want him in power there, right? Right, and they and weren't giving him what they were thought that they were promised, which was a you know a political upheaval, and to kind of take back the reins of power yeah. a little bit. I think a case could even be made if Jesus had come like they had anticipated, mm. they wouldn't have accepted him either. No. Probably so he not. might as well come as a pure form that God wanted him to come in and, and show us how to live. Yeah. yeah. All right, the next question. Oh, boy, where are we at? On a T. Is that right? And you let me know once we're getting close to the end. Okay, we're still looking good? All right. All righty, so my question is, you know, like here. Um, if you're a follower of uh, Jesus in a place where people around you are not followers of Jesus, what are the best ways to let your faith and the goodness of God shine through to be, uh, for it to be real or accessible to them. I, I think uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, he said, let your light so shine among men that they, well, here, I would, let's. Here, I had it open. Yeah, I just had it open. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So uh, don't cover up your Christian faith in those situations where you know you're living in a contrasting culture, but contrast your faith and, and sometimes uh, preach the gospel through your life and sometimes use words. <laughs> but I think probably the most telling things that we can do as Christians is to live our Christianity as pure as we possibly can, knowing we're gonna mess up once in a while, but as pure as we possibly can, and then when questions come, so why don't you drink when we're drinking or why don't you cuss like I cuss, that kind of thing, then you can entertain the conversation of why you live in contrast. And then the hope that you have that drives that contrast, that drives you to live in that contrast. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. It's not only for the here and now, but it's for eternity. It's something we live into every day. Mm-hmm. Good question. Yeah, and it's and not like you aren't going to face a little bit of persecution for that either. And, of course, we live here in Iowa, uh, I, I think yeah. we're pretty blessed for that, um, just for the, the culture here, mm-hmm. right? And especially since we're pretty much rural here as well, too. But if you were, say, you know, in the Middle East, oh, you're, you're not going to 
you're gonna have a hard time, not just a hard time, but you're barely gonna have an opportunity to right. be a living Christian at some points in time. So living True. out that faith is always gonna be the best. But it is our call. And I, I'm, I'm, my mind is going to the fact that this institution exists because a group of people wanted to live in contrast to the community they were in at the time and the, the kinds of issues that were in the community at the time mm-hmm. actually begat this school. Yeah. So I, 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 I think we need to live in contrast yeah. and not be embarrassed to live in contrast. And even though we're not wearing barn door britches anymore, we still need to somehow, <laughs> I mean, at one time, the way we looked was contrast. I don't even know what those Praise are. the Lord, we're past that. But we don't have to do that anymore. But how do we live in contrast wearing the same kind of uh, Levi's everybody else does? And I've definitely tried it the other way, so it's important. I've tried it the... uh, I can be a brash person sometimes. I'm opinionated. That's kind of what kind of sparked this whole thing. That is. Making the argument. Like, I love apologetics because I like it to make... It has to make sense to me, right? And it's always good to be asking why. That's how you're going to grow. If you're not asking why, you know, you're kind of leaving yourself open to influence. But the argument is good to have. Having that on top of mind and knowing the reason why is good. But it doesn't go, or it doesn't do as much good, and I promise, as actually living the way Jesus wants you to live. Amen. Yeah. So. Um, it's not always easy. No, In fact, it's, it's usually the contrast mm-hmm. that is painful. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but it's good. Yeah. Do it. Um, Don, will you pray us out? I can do that. Okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege you've given us to be here at Hillcrest. I thank you, Lord, for every individual here. I pray a blessing on everyone that's here and part of this discussion. I thank you for the questions that are coming and have come. And Lord, help the conversation continue in ways that, that draw us ever closer to you and help us live out this faith that we embrace in your son, Jesus Christ. In this day and time, may we be a a light in this world. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. All right, thanks everyone again for being here and for hosting us. We love being here and we'll see you guys soon. Good questions. Thank you guys. Thanks again for joining us for this week's episode. We are both having a ton of fun making these videos and episodes. And if you're having fun too, please tell a friend about this and help us to grow this mission. Thank you and God bless.